Welcome to another episode of The Corner Booth, the official podcast of RestaurantOwner.com and Restaurant Startup and Growth Magazine. Today, the restaurant industry is changing faster than ever. Learn from successful independent restaurant operators and other industry leaders as they share best practices that will help you engage your team, delight your guests, and grow your business. And welcome everyone to another episode of Corner Booth. I'm Chris Tripoli with RestaurantOwner.com. I'm Barry Schuster, editor of Restaurant Startup and Growth Magazine. And we're bringing you today a hardworking married couple, Michael and Robin Boards, that have been operating Constantino's. Constantino's is a very interesting concept, doing some rapid growth. We'd like to hear a lot more about that. So Michael and Robin, welcome to Corner Booth. Thank you. Thank you for having us on. Thanks for having us. So Robin and Michael, um, as always, we we kind of always like to start out with finding out how you got into the restaurant business. There's, there's always, there's never really one path to the restaurant business, but really interested in and what led you in that direction and, and what your background is that created your interest in becoming operators? So we both have different stories. My story started when I was 13. My mom and dad were very work focused and they said, if you want expensive shampoo and conditioner, then you need to go get a job instead of giving me your grocery list. Mm-hmm. So I did, I went and got a job and my first job was a bus girl at a place in my town that was called Game Town. And so I handled all the hot dog parties that they did there. (laughs) Um, And that was like my stepping stone into the restaurant industry. And I have loved it and have been addicted to it ever since. And so it's a nice little restaurant restaurant marriage between Michael and I. So my story is... I was kind of forced into this business by Robin. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm a builder by trade. I build commissaries and restaurants, ghost kitchens, test kitchens, things like that. Mm-hmm. And um, when COVID was here, um, my mom got sick and Robin had a restaurant someplace else and she decided to sell it and take care of my mother with me at that time. She did most of the work. But um, but at, at the end of the day, Robin... Um, had a business in a restaurant. And when that was gone during COVID, we were driving past this vacant place in uh, Greenwich, which, which is now Constantino's. And Robin said that uh, this would be a good place for a restaurant. And I was like, yeah, it looks like it's a nice place. Maybe we should come, maybe we should make plans and go look at it in the future. Uh, with mom being sick and everything, we figured it would be, I figured it'd be a better choice to make for the future. And then the next day, just during our, daily uh, routine of doing our things. I called Robin to see how our day is going. And she goes, I'm at that restaurant, looking at that restaurant that you we looked at yesterday, we saw yesterday. I said, I thought we were going to wait on that restaurant. She goes, no, you said you wanted to wait. So Saturday is our year anniversary. So you know what happened with that story. <laughs> and, I like uh, it. And, yeah, so, um, so being able to go into the retail side of things on, instead of building was fun and exciting and meeting a lot of people. So um, my job is to greet people and make sure they're happy. I can think of worse uh, skill sets to have than trade skills if I'm buying a restaurant, by the way. (laughs) It actually is a perfect balance because (laughs) 
I know he knows how to build the restaurants. I know how to run them, but then he knows how to schmooze everybody. And for a pizzeria and Italian restaurant, you don't necessarily, or people don't necessarily expect um, owners to be walking around saying, how's your pizza? Because it's a pizzeria. It's very casual and easy, but we take it one step further and we, we kind of make everybody feel like they're family to us because that's how we want to feel when we go into a restaurant. So is it a, is it a mostly takeout? Is it mostly on-premises dining? Is it like the neighborhood corner pizzeria of our youth where you, people get together over checkered tablecloths and, and enjoy their pizza with their family? Can you kind of give us a picture of the whole vibe of, of your uh, business? It's definitely a combi- it's a it's a perfect combination. So there's 12 seats in our Greenwich location. The business is predominantly takeout and delivery, but we do have I would say it's 60 to 70% takeout and delivery and and maybe 30 to 40% dine-in. Um so families come in all the time with their kids and you know I I had said to Michael I can I can hear in my head, this was before we opened, I can hear in my head kids saying to their parents, Daddy, can we go to Constantino's for ice cream? And it's exactly what happens now. So it's such a beautiful uh, 360 moment. It's developing into a neighborhood place, which is great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so let's take just a step back real quick. Uh, you found the location. It was empty. The very next day you went there. Mm-hmm. Um, Kind of fill in the gap. How did you then decide the concept, the name? How long did it take you from, you know, that decision to actually get the first one going? It was it a a long, tough road that you could share with us on trying to find the right concept, the right funding, and how long did that take to open? Or did you already have this in mind and it moved very quickly? We didn't have it in mind, although it did move fairly quickly. Um, Michael and I are, I always like to say, energetically connected. So if I say something, he usually feels the same. And if he says something, I'm usually feeling the same as well. Um, Although we've been together for years on and off, um, we were getting married in October 2021 because we wanted to make sure that his mom was alive for our wedding and she was very sick at the time. And so we got engaged in February of 21 and then made sure to rush the planning and not really rush, but we made it so that his mom would be alive for the wedding. And so when we walked into this restaurant, we knew how much we had on our plate at the time already. Um, But when Michael saw it, I, I will never forget turning around and looking at him because I know if he's happy with the place, it's a shoe. Like it's a, it's a hundred percent. We're doing it. But if there was hesitation on his face, like there normally is when we walk into a place because he's so specific about what he likes and what's wrong and what's right. And we walked in and I turned around and I looked at him and he was like this and I knew we were in. So <laughs> I said to him that night, let's get our attorneys to draw up contracts and let's move forward with this. The only thing I can't think of is what we should name it. And Michael said to me, how about we name it Constantino's because I was losing my last name, which was Matarazzo. And my father had passed when I was two. 
So it was important to Michael as much as it was important to me to continue my dad's honor. So we named the restaurant after him. Um, and it was maybe a five minute conversation and we knew exactly what the concept was. And, you know, for a year of taking care of his mom, every single day we had anywhere from four to 12 people at our house for an entire year. And so cooking was out because you never knew how much to, ex how many people you were expecting. And so every single night for a year, we ordered out. And so we developed the menu for Constantino's based on our family's recipes that have been in our family for years, but also all of the dishes that his mom loved to order during that time, the dishes his son loved to order, what Michael got during, those, during that year. So we really structured the menu in honor of my mother-in-law, my father, my family, our heritage. Um, and then we named every menu item after people that were important to us in our family. You know, it's not the first time I've heard of operators. I'm sure you, you've heard this, Chris, where it's just, this is a very personal story. Um, this is, uh, there's, there's family, there's your personal narrative. It's all built into the restaurant. And the question I have for you in terms of how you present it to your, your guests and, and your community, um, do you share that story uh, in your restaurant with your guests, in your menu? Um, because as personal as it is, um, it would seem to me that that might be something that differentiates you from your competitors, um, uh, you know, kind of tugs at people's heartstrings. Is, is any of that translated into what your guests experience and what they read in the menu and what they hear about the backstory of the, of the, of the concept? So yes and no. We have uh, photos we have a photo wall across the uh, across a wall in the restaurant that has the Matarazzo family history, the uh, the time that Constantino's, how far back it started in 1907 with naming people in the Matarazzo family Constantino's. Um, so that part is the story about uh, that we just shared with you. We kind of pick and choose who we share that with. I think there's a lot of people that aren't necessarily interested in the, in that backstory. But when we see people that, you know, have such beauty to them and they want to know, we love sharing that story because mm -hmm. it makes people understand that we're not just like restaurant owners, that we just want to make a ton of money real quick. And we really care about everything that we're doing because our family is uh it's based around everything everybody that we love yes I, yeah well i couldn't agree more that we call these things passion projects from time you've probably heard that a lot of restaurant operators look back and they say it's like we created an extra person it's like we added a member of the family and th this story truly underlines that this this is you you kind of created an additional member of the family this is a fantastic story and i agree with barry i think the more people understand that this wasn't just an interested business. This was a way of paying tribute to the people that were most important to you. I love that, that the, the research and development was family eating together, different takeout, and deciding what are our favorites? What do we like? Um, mm -hmm. 
There's an awful lot of restaurant development stories we've heard on Corner Booth, uh, key people working, going into other people's kitchens, uh, portion, presentation, small, you know, you hear all the practical side. But we don't hear very many stories that restaurant development was family and friends eating together over a year, a variety of foods, weighing and measuring favorites and how you were going to either present similar dishes or represent a family tradition with your little twists. Uh, I do. I like it all. Uh, Michael, this one's for you now. You walked in that building, you gave the thumbs up and you're the hands-on tradesman. So am I assuming correctly that you kind of took over with regards to things like construction, uh, the redo that was necessary, materials, equipment installation, or what? That's exactly what happened. The space that was there prior to our involvement was a deli for 50 years. So it hadn't been updated. The equipment was old. So basically, uh, when we first saw it, obviously, our energy and excitement was higher than the reality of what we were looking at. So once we got inside, and you know, it, it, after a year um, of well, almost a year, we, we signed the lease sometime in July. The town of Greenwich is a little bit of a difficult town to work, work with as far as approvals. So it took us almost 10 months to actually get open. And once we opened, we still, we still had to do some equipment changes and modifications and upgrade services. So what we did was we removed all of the old equipment and repurchased everything new. Everything's off the floor. So you're six inches off the floor across the entire restaurant. There's no places for anything to hide or burrow to. And the, the construction part of it we left some of it, which was kind of like the, there were certain charming parts of the restaurant that were there for many years, which we left. There was some some wings caught in on the walls and there was tile in, in the uh, seating area and the main area, which we left. And everything from the counter back is is new. Some of the up, for, up in front of the house stuff was left. was left. So it kind of mingles and mixes in in a, uh, in, in a nice way. And the other thing is that we made a decision to make this a family restaurant. On, did you go this earlier? No. Mm-hmm. So we made this decision to make it a family restaurant, and we had choices to buy, uh, have a patrons buy beer or wine. We chose not to do that service and only do we. That was where the ice cream, cotton candy, all those other things came because we wanted to be more of a kid friendly environment. Mm-hmm. Got it. And that was important, you know. For um, that was important for us because uh, there's a lot of schools around us, um, mm-hmm. but we really wanted to cater to families. And I don't necessarily have I don't have kids. I have his son is I consider my son too, but we don't have children together. I don't have any babies, so I don't necessarily know how it feels as a parent, but I wanted to understand like from a parent perspective, if you're sending your kids down to a restaurant that you feel comfortable knowing um, that there's not other people drinking alcohol around there. So when the parents always come in and they'll say, oh, so you're the reason my kid is asking me for a credit card every day. And I appreciate that. We fill them with cotton candy and ice cream and pizza, but their kids can stay forever. Their parents come in. It's so nice. And it's exactly what we wanted. 
It does. It sounds wonderful. So now they have, that kind of brings us back up to present tense. Why don't you take a minute and talk about just some general things the listeners can get a good picture of? Uh, what are the hours of operation? Are we lunch and dinner? Are we seven days a week? Uh, I know it's got a small seating, but uh, maybe you could talk a little bit about the menu. And I want to hear about this. Kids want to go down there for ice cream. Does that mean you're in the homemade gelato business? We're not doing homemade, but we did we went through some different uh, ice cream vendors to find the one that had the best flavor and taste to it. Um, and so I think we've kind of mastered that. Uh, and what else? Um, what was the other part of the question? I'm sorry. Oh, uh, menu and hours and style of service. So we're open Monday through Saturday, 11 o'clock in the morning until nine o'clock at night. And we close on Sundays. Uh, we just believe in, uh, we, we could open seven days a week and I'm sure it would be wonderful for us, but we believe in giving our staff and ourselves a day that we can spend with our families. Cause I feel like uh, both Michael and I feel that, you know, when you work, you spend the majority of your time with the people that you work with. So it's always important to have a break with family. Yes. Yeah, I think that's really important. So that's that's wonderful. Do you do, um, you know, a lot of uh, fresh preparation in the kitchen? Are you working more on the management system side? With we, we already know who the uh, front of the house schmoozer is, but maybe you could <laughs> kind of, but maybe you could walk us through the other responsibilities and how a day in the life of your operation is. Um, you know. Our biggest goal that we wanted is to bring people into the restaurant and offer them uh, growth opportunities so that we build trust with the employees that we have and allow them to grow in spaces that maybe they didn't have the opportunity to prior to us. So we're creating restaurants that we don't necessarily have to be present at 24 seven, but we're creating places where we're bringing in people. We know within the first like month or two of working with people, whether their energy is a match for the rest of our staff. Um, and we've had pretty much with the exception of one or two, we have had pretty much the same staff for the entire year. Um, and I actually brought a pizza man over with us that was at my previous restaurant that he was there for 20 years. Um, so I, I expect that Michael and I will retain the employees that we have because we just believe in, in being great to them and uh, giving them opportunities to grow. So even one of the girls that worked with us at a different business of ours for three or four years, uh, we brought her into the restaurant. Uh, she's 25 and we made her a manager about three months ago and she's running circles around everybody. She's doing an amazing job and she takes it very seriously because most people wouldn't have that type of opportunity at her age. Um, yeah. And so we're continuing to do that throughout the other yeah. restaurants that we're opening. So and how many, how many units do you have right now? And what's your plan for expansion of the concept um, in the near, near term anyway? So right now we have two, two P3 restaurants working. Mm -hmm. We're building one possible restaurant we're building a coffee shop uh, for breakfast and lunch, and we're building an ice cream shop next to one of the pizzeria restaurants in Hotsville. 
Okay, so, so they're not all under the they're not all under the Constantino brand. There's the pizzerias or the Constantino brand, and then you've got some other types of concepts that you're developing as well. Then, so the Love You a Latte is our coffee shop, and it's a sister brand of Constantinos. That's the mm -hmm. only one that doesn't have Constantinos in the name. Mm -hmm. um, the the one that is next door to the coffee shop is called Constantinos Pastables. Um, that restaurant will be fresh bread bowls, but hollowed out bread bowls that get homemade pasta in it with a homemade sauce that's made to order. Um, oh, come on, come on, pasta sauce and bread. Oh, it's, made, it's, it's, it's made, it's not bread that you actually remove the inside. We make it over a pan, a pot, or a bowl, and it's just so it shapes a bowl and it's about a three eighths of an inch thick. So once you get your pasta in there, it's an actual, I mean, it tastes like, um, it tastes like uh, like a garlic nut without the garlic. So it's the actual pizza bread. Nice. And it's, it's fresh. It's amazing. So that, um, was that your innovation or is that, uh, I, because honestly, I, I've never seen it. It sounds amazing. But was that something that you had come up with um, as a, as a menu item? We did. Okay. That's pretty cool. We did. Yeah. So. That's going to be an amazing concept, and uh, and each each pasta bowl is individual, and you get and it's fresh. So you get fresh pasta comes right out of the machine. You pick the pasta you want, which topping sauce, whatever you want. So you're getting fresh pasta within within five to seven minutes, and nobody has fresh pasta like that today. So mm -hmm. this is a this is going to be one of the first ones that's a specifically a pasta bowl place only. I'm fascinated, uh, really, by this, uh, the, the the fresh pasta made in-house, so you can pick your type of pasta yeah. and mm -hmm. pick your sauce, sort of yeah. custom make your bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh. like so when you go, yeah. It's very similar to walking into, you know, a Subway and going through the line and picking out all of your items that you want on your sandwich. This is the same concept, just with pasta. And of course, you're going to have the regular bowls as well. Um, and then we're because we know that we're going to have the skinny women that come in that they're not going to want a bread bowl. And I understand that. Um, but we're also going to take that same concept into salads. So uh, we're doing a upside down um, cheeseburger that we'll be selling there. It's like a cheeseburger smashed. So we'll be doing salad bowls that are also either in a bread bowl or in a regular one. The same with the pasta bowls. Uh, we want to have like really unique, but super delicious. And so it's like the normal Italian American dishes, but with a, a little flair to it that makes it even more delicious if that was even possible. Are all of these in the same city now? Are you in, you're in, you're in Greenwich, Connecticut? Is that right? Yeah, three will be in Greenwich and two will be in Hawksdale, New York. But they're okay. approximately 15 minutes apart. They're not, yeah. they're not far apart. So they, the deliveries overlap, actually, on the two restaurants in the, in the territories. And, you know, this whole concept for us of opening, it started during COVID because being in, for Michael, building restaurants and for me working at restaurants, like, the restaurant that I had sold, I worked at for 20 years. I started as a bartender. I was a waitress. I did everything there in the front of the house. And 
when COVID hit, it was heartbreaking driving around and we would be in the middle of talking and I would get choked up because we'd drive by another place that was shut down. And it, it was, it was so heartbreaking. And I do have to say that we, the, the systems that we use for uh, the point of sale is slice and they had an opportunity at the time because you asked about financing and funding. They had an opportunity at the time that was short-lived, but we got in at the right time where our goal was to try to help in a very small way, but it helps nonetheless to revitalize the restaurant industry after such a drastic um, you know, pandemic that affected so many businesses that have put in their blood, sweat and tears for years. But if there were a, a higher price point restaurant or not set up for takeout and delivery, it was, it was inevitable that they were going to close unless they were fully funded by somebody that was wealthy. So um, we wanted to do our part as far as finding locations that had closed and if there was the proper machines in there that we would need and it would offset the cost of starting from scratch, that's what we looked for. And so the reason for opening in Greenwich, a couple different places there was because there was a pizzeria that closed down and it was a staple in the community. So instead of opening it and doing the same exact thing, we opened it with a twist on it. Um, and that's where Postables is going into. And it just so happened that right next door to that, they closed down as well. So instead of thinking what would be a conflict to open next door, we figured what would be another business we can open next door. Um, and then so we kind of just started getting excited from this and then asked our um, Silvio, who's one of our agents, we said, find places that are closed down that the rent's inexpensive and there's possibly equipment in there and let us know. And the next place he called us on was Hartsdale. We had no intention of opening in that town because that's where I had just sold my restaurant. And I didn't want it to look as if I was trying to compete, but it just so, ha I don't believe in competition. I think there's enough space for everybody in this world to make it. And we went and checked out the space. It was a very small pizzeria, but it was perfect for us. And so we, it was a business decision and not personal. And we took over that space. Ironically enough, the first customer that came in said, uh, you have to take over the ice cream. You have to take over the place next door and, um, and open an ice cream shop because the ice cream store down the street just closed. Oh. So I said, okay. So I called my husband and I said, we have to get the ice cream shop next door too. And he was like, okay, call Another the Another thumbs up. So we called the agent and we were in contract the next day. Oh, so that so now what you just told us, I think, was the second Constantino's then when you went into the, the other city? Uh, second, then, the, yeah, the second Constantino's was in Hartsdale. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the Pasta Bowls. Now that's almost open now. That hasn't opened yet. Pasta Bowls June. and Love You a Latte should open in June. And those two are both in Greenwich. Oh, boy, that's going to be so you're <laughs> going to have a busy summer. Two openings. 
Wow. Probably three because Hartsdale will open at some point in June as well. The ice cream shop. And, and what do you call them? The ice cream shop. Constantino's ice cream. Uh, Constantino's dessert and ice cream bar. Okay. Just wanted to get that right. I'm really loving this. I think that we, I mean, we have heard, you know, again, through COVID, the downside and, um, and no one really liked that, the loss of business and uh, employees with the loss of jobs. But what we're hearing more of now, though, is that upswing, you know, people like yourselves that are saying, you know, we are willing to spread our wings. Let's employ the people again. Let's spur the economy. Let's be creative, open more concepts and take over these places that somehow during COVID closed. Um, mm -hmm. You're moving very quickly. So by my count, this means we'll have two, three, four, five concepts, you know, by the end of this summer, five locations. And you just started in 2021. Yeah. Yep. Wow. <laughs> What's been the biggest challenge for you, you know, as, as owners, um, uh, staffing, has it been just uh, being able to turn over things to your managers so that you're working on the business, not in the business? Uh, what things that have you learned about yourselves that you might pass along to people listening in terms of things to be careful about when heading down this path as quickly as you have? Let me start first. I'll start with the, I'll start with the, with the initiation of how you're going to start. Um, hiring the right architect and right engineer are critical and important. I would suggest hiring an architect and engineer that are local to the town that you're working in where they have relationships with the building department. Mm -hmm. Some certain building departments don't care about relationships and they're just, they're just tough on everybody. And whatever the process is, it is, they'll tell you, we'll get back to you in two weeks. And, and that's what happens. Once the process is done, you go through other processes with the, with the town, when you're building with inspections, board of health and those things. So it's really good to, for anybody starting a restaurant to know all of that information before they get involved with that and do all their due diligence before they sign a lease. I work with many clients that try their hardest not to sign a lease and they bring their architects and engineers to spaces before the lease is signed. Once the architect and engineer go and do an evaluation of the space and tell the client it's a good space, then what the client does is I need till next week and, you hold, and then they buy a week or two and then it takes another week or two for the contracts. By the time they get done with that work, most of the time, a good part of the design could be done already. And you already saved yourself a month or, or six weeks. So things like that can help new business owners save some time in the beginning. And then hiring someone that knows, knows your business, that knows what you need to build, not, not a contractor that doesn't have the experience in food service or you know, maybe a residential contractor that's giving you a really good price. There are certain things in, in commercial work and in, in the restaurant business, well, commissary business that, that you need to know. That's just common knowledge that, that needs to be implemented in each project where a lot of contractors don't know that information. So there's a little, there's a little work in the front, which can help you save on the back end. Mm -hmm. Robert can tell you the rest. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Over to you. Continue the challenges. <laughs> Um, I would say challenges for sure are, uh, is, is, is hiring. Um, we can staff front of the house all day long. 
um, pizza men and dishwashers for some reason are so difficult. The other thing too is uh, we have really in, I think now in both locations that are open, we have really mastered everybody's energy being uh, on the same page. When we first started the first chef that we brought in, he started out super mellow and, and slowly showed an ego and there's no room for egos in restaurants. I think the most, the most successful way that we operate is we all work together. And if there has been along the, uh, along the cross, uh, course of a year, if there's been an employee that was continually problematic, we wound up getting rid of them because, um, they just didn't fit with everybody else. It is a, it is a team effort, 1000%. So um, I know a funny story that my husband likes to make fun of me for is um, the sh first chef that came in. Um, I spoke to him. I thought he was great. And uh, I said, have you worked in an Italian restaurant before? He said, yes. He knows how to make all the dishes. Perfect. And so we hired him. He was wonderful and I have a PR firm in addition to the restaurants we own. And so my girls that work with me at the PR firm, they sent in a magazine to interview us and they said, I'd love to speak with your chef. And so we brought the chef out and she said to me, where's your chef worked before? And at that moment, I realized that I never asked for his past work experience. I truly went off of his vibes and his energy and whether he was respectful and well-presented and showered and those types of things. And that was important to me. And so I had no idea where he worked, but he was a phenomenal chef and he was great with everybody. So um, I now ask that question, <laughs> but you know, little things we learn along the way. So with the openings now, are you, um, you know, that seem to be one right after the other, are you able to bring some of the key people into your existing unit, kind of develop some of the, uh, you know, initial training and systems uh, before having to open up the units? Or are you doing everything on site with new staff? We're not. We actually are taking one of our employees that has been a friend of mine for about 15 years. He came to work with us in Greenwich at the pizzeria. Uh, he was at a bakery in New York City prior to working with us. And so I knew that a morning type of hours he's, he was used to. So I, we offered him an opportunity to manage our coffee shop. And so now he's putting the bakery creative that he has for so many years experience into the coffee shop. And so We'll have people coming in that will be training under him. The coffee machines that we're buying, they come in and train our staff. But we're trying to pull in people that we know and have relationships with so that, again, we don't have to be there six days a week. And mm -hmm. we can put people that we trust and have a history with and then give them opportunities. Um, so that's what we're trying to do across the board. Our son works in uh, the Hartsdale location. Uh, he's kind of overseeing that, learning the ropes of the restaurant business because he's worked with my husband for the majority of 
his working years. So he's slowly learning the, or quickly learning the restaurant business. And at the right time, we'll make him a manager and, you know, he'll oversee our Hartsdale locations. Um, so we're really trying to keep it family and people that we've known and give opportunities to them accordingly. That makes great sense. Uh, the, uh, this is something that I just recently heard uh, that somebody who's got a small Greek restaurant uh, started doing as he expanded. And some of the training worked just like you mentioned, where representatives will come on in with the coffee and do the initial training. Uh, purveyors will actually come on in and help with some product education. And he just got a couple of people together. And I guess with the our our technology with iPhones as, as good as they are, just started making training videos on the spot of what these people were saying. And then he was able to add to that. And so his ongoing training program, he showed me just the other day, is really clips of just on the spot video training that was taken during the initial opening by the professional people, by the initial openers, or by the uh, coffee espresso people. And now, you know, here however many months later, new employees or people who might need training, just go right to the video, make your notes, take that, and then do some practice. And it helps him uh, keep consistency. So I guess my question is, how has technology impacted what you're doing? Um, Are you utilizing any type of tools for inventory management, uh, training, uh, other than POS and payroll? Um. So as far as the training goes, uh, we've found that uh, hands-on in the moment is the most effective. I think people can read, I'm this way, I'm wired this way, so I I can read anything, but actually getting in and doing it has always taught me more. Uh, So I utilize that with our employees, as does Michael. Uh, I think once they do it themselves for the first time physically, hands-on they understand how to do it better in the future. Got it. Robin, it sounds like you're pretty involved in the training process. If I'm not reading too much into what you're saying. I'm te- I take full responsibility. I'm a terrible trainer, <laughs> I'm a terrible trainer, but we have people in place that have worked with us for so many years. Mm-hmm. They know what we like and how we like everything. Michael and I are both psychotic clean fanatics. So good. That needs to happen in our restaurant also. So if mm-hmm. I walk in, I'm that boss that will go like this to a countertop. And if I see dust on my finger, I'm mad right off the bat because everybody knows how we like it. And if you don't ask this person and they'll tell you. So we expect a certain level of uh, perfection and it's executed by the people that we put in place to train everybody else. But I'm a terrible trainer. But I mean, uh, attitude, guests appreciate that. Um, uh, they want a clean environment. Uh, oh, yeah. They know they sit down, they notice something's on the floor. So kudos yeah. to you for that. Uh, that's a big, that's a, a big deal. We're very lucky that Board of Health eats in our restaurant regularly. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, and what a compliment that is. It it is. is. It's when, probably one of the biggest for us. When you pull up and you see your Board of Health cars in your parking lot two at a time, it feels good. Because mm-hmm. customers see that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I would imagine because, you know, you're located in small communities um, that 
a few things are different uh, there. Uh, people probably had a have a closer connection and more of a family connection to the restaurants they're going to. And I guess that leads me to the next point I'd like to spend a little bit of time on is maybe you could explain how you in that community see uh, image. Uh, what are the important things to do for marketing, branding? Uh, is there a lot of social media and online promotions to keep your to-go and your online uh, pickup? Uh, do you need to do third-party companies? Um, you know, if so, are are they popular there as well? You know, the Uber Eats, DoorDash guys. Oh, yeah. Uh, so as far as third party, absolutely essential. Um, I look at it. I know there's people that are frustrated with the percentages that the third parties are charging. I look at it. And so does Michael. It's like that's our advertising dollars right there. Mm. I, we don't spend money advertising in magazines necessarily or um publications as i said like my i have a pr firm i believe in editorial um and i have seen the difference between spending on an advertorial in comparison to an editorial and the editorial has gotten us um far more uh people to come in and talk about what they saw um, as compared to a, a magazine uh, advertisement. So um, in regards to the social media, we have the most phenomenal uh, content creator. And she was probably the, one of the best decisions that we made for our restaurant. Um, because she comes in once a month, she takes pictures of all the food, she bases the photos and videos that she does based on the social media trends. So there's the cheese pull on pizzas, and there's the sauce pull with uh, forks that everyone's doing like on Instagram. So she handles Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and she'll post five days a week for us or six days a week. Instagram stories. And then the most effective for us um, has been boosted post um, because it's so targeted and specific to the demographic that you're advertising to. Um, in addition to that is we use one of the best cheeses on the market for pizza. And the program that that cheese company has offers menus to be mailed out at discounted rates um, to zip codes. So I, myself and Michael have felt the difference when those menus run out and we're, we're in a two week interim of a reprint, you can see the drop of the business. Mm -hmm. When the menus are mailed out again, you can see the, the, uh, increase in business. So those are things that we have been doing that have consistently grown the business uh, month by month, besides for the quality of food. Uh, you know, I, I know some restaurants like mozzarella got expensive. So people started buying a less expensive mozzarella and the really good mozzarella, and then they would mix them together. But you can taste the difference. The cheese melts differently. It produces a different oil if it's not quality cheese. So um, we have chicken that's no antibiotics ever. Um, we offer plant-based uh, plant dishes, vegan, 
So it's really knowing the market that you're in and advertising and creating opportunity accordingly. And so we do our best to do that. But the boosted posts, the social media, the third parties, those are all essential part of growth uh, for our businesses. Is there any place anymore in a community like yours for the old school community marketing, the school fundraisers, uh, supporting youth sports leagues, that kind of thing? Is that is that uh, part of your, your mix at all? Um, or maybe I'm just thinking too far back into my own youth. You know, it's not too far back. It's funny that you asked that because one of the biggest things that we do is we support all of the local schools. If they're doing a play, we'll we'll spend some money for the to advertise in the playbook. If mm-hmm. the PTA is raising money, we do uh, a give back to the PTA once a month for different schools. And I, I'm the parents in the community that we are in are incredible. They're so supportive of the schools and the restaurants that work with the schools. So that has been a tremendous part of our business. And if you think about it, they're asking for a 10% give back um, standardly. That's like what they do. And so if a customer calls and they say, I'm ordering for Glenville school, we mark it on the, uh, in the POS system. And then at the end of the night, we tally up how many orders came in for Glenville school and we do a 10% give back for that. Um, we actually, they asked for 10, we actually do 20, um, one, because we look at that as part of our marketing, we get so many parents in that come in and they say, oh my God, my son's been coming here since you opened. I'm so glad I finally got to come in and see this place is great. Um, we were certified through culture city to be, um, a certified restaurant so that anybody that has any, uh, sensory disabilities, we have a quiet area in the restaurant where kids or adults can go and sit. We have headphones to kind of tune out, you know, all the noise. If there's stimulated, if they're overstimulated by the amount of noise in the restaurant, we have games and coloring and slime. So we really try to, the family part of it is one of the most important, it's the only important part to us. So um, the supporting the schools is it's been tremendous for us. Um, so we do it every single month with a different school and we give more than they request purposely because it brings in the parents and the kids and it's just wonderful. Mm-hmm. We also do a 50% discount for first responders and emergency workers. Mm-hmm. So you wind up with police, uh, fire, EMS, things like that. Mm-hmm. My father-in-law was a firefighter. And uh, our one of our best friends as a as a police officer. My uncle was in uh, Homeland Security, so we it was very personal to us during COVID, and to see people put their lives on the line the way that they did, and get sick, and we lost lives, and all that type of stuff. So you know, we were thinking like, do we do 20%? And we're like, you know what? They give 100% of themselves every single day. So we're going to give them a 50% discount. And, you know, I I love these guys and girls so much because like in our Hartsdale location, my son just told me the other day that sometimes the guys will place an order on the apps 
specifically so they don't utilize the discount, but they know it's there for them, but they don't want to take advantage. They're just so appreciative that a, a restaurant recognizes the, the quality and the level of work that they do every single day. Boy, that's wonderful. That's wonderful that you do that. And it's and I just think it's wonderful that they responded as they did. I think it was it's more important to them to feel appreciated mm-hmm. than, like you said, than to get 50 percent off every time. Mm-hmm. God, that, that's just that's wonderful. Uh, there's yeah. just so many good principles that you have discussed with us today. Uh, and I hope that the listeners have made note of that, that this is a, uh, a, you can reach success and you can reach success quickly if you really, really manage the basics. And I don't think that there are people out there that are paying attention to the basic key ingredients and staff engagement and cleanliness and community involvement any better than you two. This, this has you. been a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thank guys. you Thank guys you. for having us. This is so nice. Thank where you. Where are you guys from? Where are you, where are you guys located? Well, I'm based in the Raleigh-Durham area in North Carolina, but our publishing okay. company is based in Kansas City. And then restaurantor.com is in Houston, although Chris, you're not really in Houston anymore. You're in the, the hill country. of. I am. I'm in Texas. a small community in Texas. Um, but yeah, the magazine and uh, the website, you know, that uh, are producing this podcast work with inter uh, work with um, uh, independently owned restaurant operators throughout the nation. So mm-hmm. we pretty much don't have borders. We love talking to people from uh, the you. Northeast. And, you know, uh, we talk to people, uh, up north, south, beach communities in the Midwest. Uh, it's just, it's been so much fun for us to visit with hardworking, hands-on restaurant operators like yourselves. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm sure you've heard this before. If you're ever in the area, <laughs> dinners are, lunches on us, okay? So we would miss it, but we're paying full boat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like it. Well said. You're on the bucket list. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. God bless and have a good, good weekend. And thank everyone for joining. We hope to see you again thank really you. soon on another Corner Booth. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on the Corner Booth. We'll be back next Tuesday with more inspiration, insights, and industry best practices to help you engage your team, delight your guests, and grow your business.